Resolute Square. There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list, which was rather extensive and continually being updated. Democrats want Republicans dead. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. So, it's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. <laughs> I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. All right. My guest today is my old friend, Michael Tomaski. He was my editor at the Daily Beast for a long time. He is now the editor of The New Republic, and he has written some cracking good pieces lately that I think would be well worth talking about today. And and Michael, I want to start out and thank you so much for coming on the enemies list today. I want to start out with a piece you wrote called Wake the Hell Up, Democrats. Because yeah. it, it struck me as something that I have been thinking about and writing about a little bit myself, is that the Democrats don't seem to be able to take advantage of Joe Biden's absolutely stellar economic record right now. Talk to us a little bit about that article and where your thoughts are on that. Yeah, and uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be on the show. Absolutely. Um, this is something that uh, is frustrating to everybody I talk to, Rick. I think we all know the reasons. And the main reason is the is the inflation that hit last year and that hit that hit people so hard. And everybody understands that. You know, people go to the gas pump, people uh, buy a carton of eggs. It's a really different experience. I mean, I notice and I never look at checks but or, or receipts, but like I notice when I go to the Giant or the Safeway, right. it's a good bit more this year. So, you know, if I notice somebody trying to get raise kids on $50,000 a year certainly notices. So I get it. I get it. But, you know, there's so much good news. And and there's so much good news that is, is practically without precedent. 13 million jobs is more in 28 months than we've ever seen in a full single, you know, 48-month term. Right. And now we have wages going up you know, catching up with inflation, getting ahead of inflation. And then you have the legislative accomplishments that are, you know, so you know, completely beyond what anybody expected uh, and the number of Republican votes he got to get some of these things through the Senate. It's an incredible record. And Democrats, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I mean, I think I, I do know what it is. But I mean, they just don't have the same message discipline that Republicans have. They Truth. don't have a Fox News. MSNBC isn't the same as Fox News no. in, in that way by a long shot. And they don't, you know, they, uh, let me put it this way. I spoke not long ago with some Democrats and rattled off some statistics about how more jobs, if you look back, over the last 28 years, but you can even take this back farther. You can take this back to 1960 and you count mm -hmm. up the number of jobs created under Democratic presidents versus Republican presidents, the performance of the stock market, deficit reduction, median household income, every major economic category, the performance of the economy is far better under Democrats than under Republicans. And it's not even close. Even some Democrats that I have spoken to recently did not know this. That is what blows me away. It's like when I was a Republican ad maker, we used to do the, the the whole like, oh, 
you know, the worst economy since this. And it was always bullshit. We always knew it was bullshit, right? <laughs> we always knew it was bullshit. And we couldn't ever really like spin our way out of the job creation and deficit and spending tropes yeah. that look, we use them anyway, but 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 it's it's sure. just like this inability to take a victory lap or to stand up. And I mean, may and this is my assessment. Let me tell you what you think about this. I think a lot of it is progressives get angry because they're like, well, we didn't get every single thing we wanted in inflation reduction act. So the whole thing's a disaster. We're not going to talk about it yeah. because you know we got 74% of the budget we wanted for this instead of a hundred. No, that's that's exactly right, I think. That's a big part of it. I understand the impulse. And and sure. it's like it's really different from conservatives and people on the right, right? Because what does the right want out of uh, the government? What is the right's domestic agenda? It's like two things. Cut taxes, cut regulations, mm -hmm. and demonize people we don't like. Right. <laughs> that's about it. They don't want anything done about global warming. They don't want anything done to raise wages. They don't want anything done about this and that. But the left wants all of that, you know, once once it, they want and they want it today, you know, big changes <laughs> and they want it now, you know, and, and I do, too. You know, I wish Biden could pass all of these things. That's what when 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 they get, you know, half or two thirds or three quarters of the loaf, they tend to focus on the right part on the shortfall get. rather than the than the, than the great things they did end up with. Yeah. Well, you know, it's yeah. interesting. And that's, that's part of that. Yeah, that's that's part of having a, an agenda, I guess. It's interesting to me, though, that 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 in the last few weeks, this whole question of you know Bidenomics is starting to get a brand of yeah. its own. Even even people, you know, like Goldman Sachs and a lot of other analysts in Wall Street are saying things like, "Well, you know, it seems like it's starting to you know, the chances of a recession are starting to decline." Inflation's down, gas prices are down, wages are steady and up. The employment picture is not, it's impossible to be much better than this employment picture. I mean, do you yeah. think Biden is going to actually end up for the first time as a Democratic? I mean, even Bill Clinton had to run on other things in his reelection. Even Barack Obama had to run on other things in his reelection where they, and they had arguably, you know, quite strong economies. I find it striking. I mean, it's almost as if Biden is has this sort of almost sui generis brand of democratic politics, you know, or maybe it's just something we've just lost track of or lost touch with, but it seems like he's getting close to having a, an economic message that, that puts him in the category of one of our better first term presidents. He's getting close and uh, you know, he, he's going to need luck for there to be no recession between now and November of 2004. Mm -hmm. But he, and if he gets that lucky break, then, yeah, then I think by then, you know, inflation will have abated sufficiently that that won't be hanging over a lot of people's decision making processes and the job creation. I think it's going to it's going to play well to him. Now, I should say there he shouldn't run solely on that, even no, if everything's no, no, coming up roses. You know, I mean, you got to run on abortion if it's Trump and it's going to be Trump. We assume yep. uh, you got to run on democracy and authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. you, you've got to make those things part of the campaign. You've got to weave those into the message, but you also have to, and this is what I wrote about in my last book, Rick, and this is mm -hmm. my, my sermon that my good friends have <laughs> heard too many times from me. <laughs> you got to connect those things. Democrats, another, another thing that Democrats and, mm -hmm. and liberals and progressives do wrong messaging wise, I think, Everything is in these different, to use the word that is often used, silos. The economic silo, the democracy silo, et cetera, et cetera. To me, these are all one argument. 
Bidenomics, if it works, you know, if it's doing well mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, next fall, Bidenomics has created jobs, put money in people's pockets, but therefore it has strengthened democracy because it has strengthened the middle class and the working class people, which makes our democracy stronger right. and makes pe people less desperate and less likely to go look for oligarchs. It also strengthens freedom because it's a different mm -hmm. idea of freedom. It's not let the free market do whatever it does. It's the idea of freedom that I talked about in my book and that Josh Shapiro talked about on the campaign trail, I think, so movingly last fall in ways that went so viral. That right. freedom is giving that little girl in North Philadelphia the tool she needs to grow up to achieve her fullest potential. Economics, democracy, freedom, it's all one argument. And, and I think if the economy holds out, I think the Democrats are well positioned to make that. You and I are on the same, same track on that because it's something I've been talking about for, since, since Dobbs. I'd warned Republicans for years, like, if you end up getting Roe overturned, don't forget that between 15 and 18 percent of Republican men are pro-choice and between 22 and 25 percent of Demo Republican women are pro-choice. Are you yeah. sure you want to do this? And, you know, it's <laughs> and, and, you know, look, I, I'm a magpie. I'll steal good ideas from anywhere. When we saw the Kansas results last year yeah. from the from the initiative there where they reframed it. And I think correctly. I mean, I, I don't think it was just a political stunt. I think they actually emotionally and ideologically framed it properly, which was that this was a reduction of human liberty. This was a government telling people how to live. This was government in the way of people's personal lives and decisions. It really has sort of put the lie to the Republican Party's, you know, line about uh, individual liberty and we want the government out of your lives. We don't want them to interfere with you. No, they definitely want to interfere with you, especially if you're a woman who's six weeks pregnant or more. I think that, that, that it does all loop together into a big sort of composite about democracy and about, and about freedom. And while we are not completely out of the authoritarian flirtation, I think you're right. The more we bundle those things together, the more we link together the idea that why should the government decide who gets married? That's where this LGBT stuff is going with the Republicans. They want to roll back Obergefell. They want to roll back gay marriage. They want to roll back gay adoption. Yeah. They, like every other civil rights expansion in this country, there's always a backlash. Look, when emancipation happened, there was, of course, a backlash by, by white Southerners who had been defeated in the Civil War, but still you know, set up the Jim Crow system of systematic oppression for generations. And I think we're seeing that now with, with the Republicans. There, there's a backlash now, particularly among the evangelical cohort, that they want to undo the, the civil rights progress of gay marriage, which I happen to view as a conservative, appropriate role where government is not deciding which consenting adults get married. Support for Rick Wilson's The Enemies List comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash Wilson. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Wilson. Odoo, modern management made simple. So talk a little bit about where you see the LGBT thing, because you just wrote a really terrific piece about 
how DeSantis was trying to sort of be a gateway drug for the anti-LGBT bigotry, especially with that new ad of his. Yeah, and that ad was so over the top, just bragging about cruelty, basically. We will end Uh, their way of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And using, you know, that thing, at the, that image at the end with him with fangs, I learned after I wrote the piece, that's the new cover of Mother Jones, which obviously is not a flattering piece about him. So they're <laughs> no. taking this unflattering right. stuff and using it, appropriating it, you know, to show what a tough guy he is. It's a crazy ad. And the point I made in that column was that every time a Republican candidate for president stakes out a more extreme position, that becomes the position that the others all gravitate toward. And mm-hmm. that becomes mm-hmm. the position that the base embraces. And it becomes the position that Fox embraces and all the rest of them. And it becomes what the Republican Party is. That does not happen in reverse on the Democratic side. You know, Joe Biden didn't embrace everything that Bernie Sanders no. wanted. It only happens on the right, but it happens, as far as I can see, pretty much unfailingly on the right. And that's how they just keep moving, moving, moving over this way. On the subject of abortion, what you said was really interesting. If Dobbs had passed and the position of the Republican Party had been, okay, we got what we wanted. We're going home now. Right. And we're going to leave it to the states. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what we wanted for 50 years. And this is all we said. It's up to the states. Right. But what happened as soon as Dobbs passed? All these crazy state laws, no rape or incest exception, Mm -hmm. no this, no that. You have to get two doctors within six weeks. Yeah, right. All this stuff. How so short was that skirt, away- Missy? You know, this it's grotesque. Right. So they gave away the game. And, and you know, one just knows that, you know, the momentum in the House caucus, for example, is certainly toward a federal abortion ban. Uh, Trump has not embraced that. He probably won't. The Biden people should just put him on the defensive about that. All the time, I think, as as this campaign goes forward and make him disavow it, you know, every week. I think that's right. And interestingly, and as, as you and I think our audience knows well, I am no defender of Donald Trump in any context, but Trump actually has a better understanding of the broader mainstream American culture, I think, than DeSantis and a lot of the other Republican types do, because, you know, he, he I'm Again, folks, I'm not defending Donald Trump, but he wisely, you know, said things like, I'm going to protect LGBTQ Americans in 2016 and in 2020. And you contrast it with this with these people. And look, the the most generous, the most generous explanation of Ron DeSantis in this thing is he's trying to win the social conservatives in the Iowa caucus. I don't think that's the case. I think you are right that he's trying to like Overton window the anti-LGBTQ hate further and further into the uh, into the ether of the Republican Party. So I think we both agree that it's going to end up being Trump in the end. I don't think Trump has anything to gain by following them down the rabbit hole on this. Um, and I'm wondering if you think he's, he's smart enough or secure enough right now to not. I don't usually think of him as smart or secure. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. <laughs> True. But in this instance, I think he probably is. Yeah. You know, I mean, he... We know he used to be pro-choice, right? You know, oh yeah, he was just oh oh, like, oh for sure. I yeah, mean, I wrote a story in my so. first book about yeah. a golfing associate of his, who you know it was like, yeah, when they become a problem, you know, I I make sure that they get taken care of, and that wasn't like yeah. a lovely parting gift and right. and a rec right. and a job recommendation, you know. 
Yeah, right, right. I mean, he's not just pro-choice in theory. Yeah. I think he is probably smart and secure enough to know that. I mean, I think in other ways he's running so far a crazy and terrifying campaign that is far to the right of where he was in 2016. Most people don't kind of recognize this point, but this is another thing I've tried – been trying to drive home to my readers that he did not vow. You know, he vowed in 2016 to clean the swamp. Right. He's vowing now to t- take over, to, to become Big Brother, basically, and well, to be the retribution and all that stuff. You know, right. it's, it's a really different order of rhetoric completely. Yeah, but I'm getting a lot I of- I think he I, knows that he automatically loses people, uh, especially suburban women, if he endorses, embraces a federal uh, ban. Yeah, I think he's going to have a hard time staying out of it. But I think he's – I don't – I mean, my my theory of the case is I don't think he's going to campaign in Iowa. This is, and I may be wrong about this. Yeah. I think he's already sort of like wagged – you know, rolled his eyes about Iowa. Let Mike Pence and Ron DeSantis fight it, fight it out in Iowa and be done with it and not expend much capital there and let the other cats and dogs fight it out in – in a, in a state where they're going to vote for him in the end anyway. And he just doesn't, I don't, I yeah. think, I don't think he feels a lot of motivation to like suck up and play the game there, which if I was in his, if I was in his position, you know, roughly 40 points ahead of everybody else, I'd probably do the same thing. I'd probably just say, yeah, yeah no, thank you. I'm going to go ahead and pass on the uh, fried butter and the, uh, and the deep fried corn dogs and whatever else the yes. whatever whatever other cardiac cardiac infarctions are being served in Iowa at the state fair. So I want to ask you a little bit about something I've been seeing out out here in the in the the pattern of this campaign. You know, we have the the Republicans and they're going to do what they're going to do. It's the it's the sort of madhouse of Republican politics in the post-Trump era. Yeah. What are your thoughts right now on this absurdity of the RFK Jr. campaign, which is, you know, I call him Steve Bannon's meat puppet and of the and of the progressive things that are bubbling out there, like the, you know, the, the Cornell West, Jill Stein, third party play, et cetera. I don't think at the end of the day, they're particularly threatening to Biden, but I do think that they can both have an effect deepening the cynicism of right. young voters, black voters. If Cornell West uh, who is to be respected as an intellectual in certain ways, sure. wanted to uh, run a race where he introduced certain ideas into the political bloodstream. He'd run as a Democrat. He right. challenged Biden in the primary uh, because we have a two-party system. You know, Duverger's law, we'll explain that to people in future episodes. <laughs> uh, you can just Google it. We have a two-party system, and that's the way it is. If you really want to present ideas and have an impact on the party, you'll run as a Democrat or as a Republican. Right. As Bernie Sanders well knew. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there mm-hmm. were people trying to get Bernie Sanders to re- accept the green mantle or, or something, but but he, he understands how the system works. And he says, no, I'm only going to have impact if I run as a Democrat. That's right. West, uh, and then the fact that he decides to team up with Stein. Um, who, who you know, folks, if you don't know this and don't have this internalized in your head, the reason Hillary Clinton lost the campaign is in part because Jill Stein took enough votes from her in Wisconsin and other states to offset, yeah. and Donald Trump won. So ended the yeah. lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she didn't seem upset 
about the no fact really she she, she was like what Did, <laughs> I, there was no moment of revelation like oh what have I done I've fucked democracy yeah. no it was more yeah. like hmm, can I go to dinner with Putin yeah. here we go yep now don't look at me right and then Kennedy you know I mean he'll slip he's already slipped some yeah, I mean yeah. you know people were saying twenty percent. If you look today, it's not 20%. It's 15, it's 12, it's 10. Mm -hmm. And I, so I think people are starting to learn about some of his stranger positions uh, and affiliations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's always a percentage of people who are just going to go for somebody who isn't the standard old expected right. guy. Right. Know? And, you know, and I said the word old and I, didn't mean specifically to to be referring to Biden's age, but but I do think that if he were seventy instead of eighty, I bet this stuff wouldn't be happening. Hundred percent. And and look, I I talk to Democrats all the time, and I talk to Republicans and former Republicans, and and whether it's from worry or malice or eagerness, his age is their the first thing out of their mouth. It is always a sort of broad issue there. I think it may be a little different now that our society is is frankly much older than it used to be. You know, yeah. we've with the median voting age keeps creeping up, even with Gen Z flowing into the system. I think there are ways to to work around it in terms of talking about the accomplishments, but but the the age thing it's a real deal. I mean, it's it's a real thing, and and there are a lot of people who are who are worried about it. Yeah, yeah, it is, and and you know, it's not just that he's eighty now; it's that he he'll be eighty six. When the term ends, and Trump, right. of course, is going to turn this into a Kamala, you know, story. Yeah, and, you and know, he's going to say, "This is one of those." He's things. going to say, "You're really going to have President Harris," right? And he's not going to say this as a good thing. You know, I got to say this though; I, I find it inexplicable the hostility for Harris in the Democratic elite sect. Yeah, is inexplicable and and. And I, I've, I've had to stop and ask people a couple of times, like, what, what is your issue here? What is your real problem here? I mean, what is, what is, the, what yeah. is the, the underpinning? What do you think it is? Because, I mean, she gets a much harder hit than she deserves, in my view. It is a conventional wisdom that congealed and calcified really early on. Mm -hmm. I would say, in fairness to her, she was given some jobs by her boss that were pretty unenviable. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Hey, take care of the border. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, cure cancer. Right. Um, I feel some sympathy for her uh, along those lines. Her political instincts have not always been that great. I think it's pretty clear. But maybe she's gotten better. And, you know, the only thing, whatever, whether her political instincts are great or wanting, there's mm -hmm. only one thing for Joe Biden to do embrace the hell out of her and right. their partnership. You know, right. there's only one thing for her to do. He may have made a better choice, but that's he she's his Woulda, choice. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> yeah, and just embrace it, embrace it. And, you know, and uh, it was good that she, her face was featured 13 times in that introductory video. I think so too. You know, and let her be the voice on choice and abortion and let her talk to black women and get black women excited and turning out at crazy rates and 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 black men too hopefully there's nothing there's nothing to be gained by being the least that ambivalent about it yeah i think that's right and i think i spoke to a very very important democratic donor uh, a few days ago and i just said you know look 
the downside right now of dumping her for some imaginary candidate that you don't know who it would be. Yeah. And you've got you've got a list of people who might or might not be good or good or, or bad for that job. But that the imaginary benefit, you have no conception what the Republican machine will do. They will flip on a dime and they'll say, Oh God, Joe Biden's a racist. He got rid of the first African the first black woman <laughs> vice president. They will flip on yeah. a dime because they just they, they don't care. They're they're disconnected from anything else except for the win. What else are you looking forward to covering? What, what else are you look? What else, what's on your radar screen, Michael, in the next few weeks and uh, and months as we go ahead into the uh, the heating up of the campaign season? Well, I guess I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to Democratic messaging and what they're saying and what they're trying to communicate and how they're trying to uh, frame this race. I'm not alone in thinking they're not always uh, as good at that as they are. I, I have and- noticed that. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, just this thing about how, how many more jobs have been created under Democratic presidents than Republican presidents. Yeah, I think it's why doesn't America know that? I you think know, it's the core why? of the message. It's it, it should be. I may be old, but I got you hired. Yeah. 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 I'll be looking at that. You know, obviously, I'll be paying attention to which of these Republicans, you know, is, does Tim Scott have a prayer of inching upward? Maybe, but, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, if we assume that Trump is facing two more indictments, I don't know. Do you share that assumption? You know, he, I still don't see a path inside the Republican Party base as it exists today for someone yeah. with that sort of optimistic, prospective message. Look, right. 20 years ago, Tim Scott would have been at the top of the pack. He would yeah. have been immediately hailed as the future of the party. And in a weird way, He's sort of like where Marco Rubio was in 16. People say, oh, he's, you know, a brilliant messenger, great rhetorician, good speaker, you know, optimistic, can expand the party back into the, you know, the center of the And, you know, it was it was hard soil for Marco to plow a furrow in 2016. I think it's much harder now. And I think, you know, with guys like Christie who are amusing, but not, but there's no, there's no there there for the party for them. There's no path out to a victory. You know, if, if your only mission is to like be a kamikaze, that's one thing. Yeah. If, right. if you think you're going to win, you know, even DeSantis, the most well-funded and well-staffed Republican in the race doesn't really have a path past Trump. So it's hard to see. I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton was 20 points ahead of Barack Obama at this yep. point in 2007. So things can happen, but is this situation vis-a-vis Trump and DeSantis and the other Republicans similar to Clinton and Obama? I don't think so. I don't I think, think so. I mean, I, I look, I yeah. think I think the flip there was that Obama was a naturally gifted candidate and, and Hillary was not. Yeah. And Trump is right. a naturally gifted candidate. And the rest of these guys are, are, are anything. But I mean, DeSantis in particular has proven to be, and I said this about a year and a half ago, and people were like, oh, how dare you say that? He's an overpriced political stock because he's not good at the work. He's not good at this stuff. So it's been a wild campaign so far, and it's going to get much weirder and wilder. Uh, Mike Tomaski, y'all go over to the New Republic and and read Michael's work. It is cutting. It is smart. It is deeply observed about the Washington and national political scene. Michael, where can people find you on social media? 
Uh, Twitter is uh, at M Tomaski, and uh, I'm on Blue Sky. I just joined. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even remember my handle, but anybody who's there can go. Don't worry. There's like 12 of us over there. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, Michael, thank you anyway. again for joining us today on the Enemies List. I really appreciate your time today, and I look forward thank to you, talking bro. to you again very soon. Thanks, brother. Thanks again for listening to The Enemies List. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list. <laughs>